Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre's Podfast. No. No, not today. I'm sorry. It's a podfast. I don't have time for this mess. It's, it's you know, enough with the, with the ridiculousness, all right? Let's just get right to the topic. It's a podfast. That's the whole idea. The topic today is monumental. It's a proclamation. It's called Sideways 8, the exact number of music genres ever. I am going to prove to you that I know the exact number of all music genres that ever have been and ever will be. That's that's all it is. Simple as that, okay? Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. That's all I'm going to say about that, because we're trying to move on. This is how it's going to be done. I say sideways eight. Why? Because I am going to start this conversation by saying there are eight genres. There are eight genres on all of history and all of future history, whatever you want to call that. Eight genres. I'm going to do them in loose chronological order to when they were developed. Uh, that's extremely loose because these have kind of overlapped, etc., etc., throughout history. And the criteria is each one of these genres brought something conceptually new to the form of music, to the creation of music, rising above differences in style, in sound, in even geographical origin. That's the criteria. That's it. Okay. We're going to jump right into it. So number one is folk music. Folk music has been around since people have been creating music, and that is prehistory. So we have no idea. But at, at a certain point, when, when language and music came together, you, you had folk music. It was people telling stories. It comes from the word folklore, stories of the people written and performed by common people. The vast majority of music that has ever been created in the universe, the world, has been created by common people, by people who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves professional musicians before the term musician or professional even existed. It was just campfires and things like that. You can talk about subgenres like blues and any kind of folk music from any country, uh, troubadour music. You could talk about country music, anything that, that is telling a story, but primarily in the oral tradition, things that were not written down, rarely written down, or if they were written down, they were written down after the fact. And it was like a game of telephone where someone would sing a song and the person in the audience would say, oh, I love that song. I'm going to do my version of it because there was no one there. They would move on to another town or whatever. No one would be there to teach them. Or if they did, they still spun it their own way. And that is, to me, the first one. Number two, and, and before I move on, folk music had to be. It's music that had to be because it was pre-recording. And I mean recording, not just sonic recording, but written recording, like writing down music. Pre all of that, it was pre-writing, period. Music has existed long before a writing system has existed, at least so far as we can tell. And I don't see why that wouldn't be true. Uh, it's an instinct. To me, I believe it's an instinct. Number two would be the opposite of that in many ways, written music, uh, a.k.a. classical music that, again, each of these, I'm not going into subgenres. I might name a subgenre, but the whole point of this is throw those out the window. If you're going to boil all of music down, it's it's just these eight genres. A sideways eight, and I'll explain that later. Mm -hmm. Watch my hands. But this kind of does include everything that you could possibly think of. It's under one of these eight. So classical just means 
music that is composed, that is written down, music that is meant to be played in one specific way. It is non-folk. It's akin to the written word, recorded in one form or another, as opposed to an oral history. It was meant to be codified and this is what you do, what was written down. It was a revolution just the way written language was a revolution. Uh, Whether it was the rudimentary notation that we found in Babylonian 1400 BC or Greek notation or Neum notation in the medieval era and, and beyond or our current modern staff notation or even digital MIDI representation of notes to me is a notation. It's all about creating a record meant to be adhered to, to one degree or another. That's, and that's classical music in all its forms, from all countries, all eras, etc. cetera. Uh, the next would be improvised music. Now, if you noticed, you had folk. It was very specific to what it was. Classical, broad category. Of course, all these are broad, but specific in terms of its definition. Improvised music, same thing. When we think of improvised music, we might think of jazz. We might think of, you know, solos in rock and pop. We might think of, or country or any of that. Uh, We might think of jam band music or any type of jamming music, and all of that is true. But improvised music has been around a long time, long before that. And to me, the definition there, it's very specific again, is freedom within form. There is a form. There is a structure. There's something underneath what you're doing, but you get to mess with it. Now, that can go back as far as the medieval period when you're, when you're talking about organum and the chanting and the way there were certain rules that you had to follow to improvise a chant, which some of which I learned in music school. I guess I learned them in music school and then forgot them, most of them. Uh, but you could vary it as long as you followed that form in one way or another. Then uh, ostinato, a little later on, Renaissance, early classical, when you're talking about like a, a one repeated bass line or even a single note, that from there you would then improvise certain, you know, whether it's instrumental or vocal, very often vocal, especially at the time. And some of what was written down in the classical era, those variations on a theme, theme and variation, then another variation, and restating the theme and all of that stuff, was often... Uh, uh, it was records of improvisation done by those composers, whether they said, I love what I just did, I'm going to write this down or whatever, however you have it. And often there were notes that we discovered later on that said, do your own thing, essentially. So that is a form of improvisation. Of course, then it really came to fruition to me under jazz, which embraced it in a way I think no other music embraced it. And, you know, before, since, with the exception of jam band music. But again, that's not one of these eight genres. Improvised music, that is one of the eight genres. And you can talk about Indian uh, raga or classical music, lots of improvisation there. And many cultures have versions of improvisation. So that's number three. Number four, experimental. Takes it even further. There is no form. There's not only a form not a form in the music itself. You, there's no chord structure, this, that, or the other. Um, there's no melodic structure. You might, there's not even a 12-tone structure. There's not even a sonic structure. So, in other words, I could bang on something and create a sound, and that would be considered music when you think of people like John Cage or uh, what was known in the 40s, tape music, uh, you know, splicing up tapes and re, you know, putting them together to create something entirely new, mus- musique concrète, 
and all of that. That's when it really came into to fruition. I'm sure experimental music had been around long before anybody even knew what to call it. And if you think of uh, ancient humans just banging around, the first thing they thought made a good sound, that to me, that's experimental. But you could see how it's a different strain from folk telling stories, from classical, you know, writing it down, from improvisers, a form underneath. Then you have experimental, no form. Anything could be music. Even silence in its own way could be music. Uh, then you have electronic. So in all of recorded history or, in, or unrecorded history, all music was organic. It was made by people, objects, instruments that exist in the real world. All of a sudden, turn of the 19th into the 20th century, you started to see non-organic instruments come about, mechanical and then eventual, eventually digital. And it blew up in the, you know, there, there's evidence of recorded, you know, electronic music from as far back as then, and especially then in the 40s and 50s. But then it blew up a bit in the 60s and exploded in the 70s and 80s. And the definition here, yes, is again, music made with non-organic instruments. And now we've gone so far as to go into AI where computers are writing music for us based on certain criteria, the human, other than the programming. So there's always a human element. But uh, beyond that, the human is out of it. So that to me is another. That's number five. That's different from everything that was said before. And then you have uh, this whole ooh, R&B, rhythm and blues, soul and funk and, and anything that falls under that category number six. And that that is when the spiritual was meshed with the secular, when the metaphysical emotion, existence, struggle, that what was going on that was intangible was meshed with the physical, sex and desire and dancing and movement of any kind. It combined blues and gospel and country, folk and improv. It, it was an amalgam that hadn't really, that I don't think had really existed before. In the sense that, again, you look at, you know, history and most music, if not all, was separated in the way a lot of life was separated between the, you know, sacred and the profane, the spiritual and the secular, religious and the secular. So you had music that was intended for church. It was the only music that could be played in that church. Any folk music or any other type, certain types of classical music could never, ever be played there especially if it was dance music, which, which would have been considered even sinful in some ways. But then here comes this kind of music that does two things, because I've gone over one. One is combining the metaphysical with the physical, you know, the spiritual with the secular, whatever you want to say, the, the religious with the sexual, whatever. Uh, and it had a very intense cultural identity. It was the, the voice of a group of people is the voice of a group of people. And that's not to say that in history there has not been music that hasn't been the voice of a group of people. But the voice of a group of people combined with the idea of metaphysical and physical merging and rhythm being at the core of it all, that's different. That is, to me, different from, from all the other five that I've mentioned so far. Number seven, why I put my number two out and hello, I'm back on the screen. I have a mouse here, in case it's a, that's that's because I'm using my notes. Is rock music. Now, rock is emotion, it's amplification, it's noise, it's bigness. It it is is purpose purposefully 
dirtying up and distorting sound, whether it's the instruments or the voices. It's a cross-pollination of styles that had never been done in this way. It combines folk and that an improv of a sort, uh, rhythm and blues, classical even, experimental for sure, and electronic. It's really the people's music. And at heart, the most egalitarian because, and and the most probably the the music uh, aside from one which is not on this list that steals the most from other uh, genres but in the way that it was done intentionally lowbrow intentionally lo-fi intentionally uh you know deliberately uneducated whether or not the musicians were actually educated is again deliberate and different from anything that had come before and you can break that down into hundreds of genres subgenres i will say and you'd still come up with the same thing, which is which is rock music. And then finally, number eight, uh, rap and hip hop. So this is at a point when even though uh, spoken word over top of music had existed prior to the advent of rap, hip hop, you know, whichever you'd like to call it. And I described the difference in my last episode uh, between those two terms. Then it was deliberate. Again, it was creating poetic form, creating a melodic flow, often without melody, because of the way the words are inflected, because of how they mesh with the beat. There was no need for any type of backing music other than a beat, other whether it was a break beat or, or, or a programmed beat or a live beat or any of those things. It didn't require that there be, uh, you know, some type of accompaniment the way you would in folk music or anything written down musically the way you would in classical. Uh, it, it does, it didn't have, it wasn't heavy improvisation on, on record. I mean, uh, we know of, of, uh, you know, rap battles where that was the whole point. It does, it didn't have a tremendous amount of experimentation. It used electronic instruments often, but not exclusively to do what it did. It, pulled a lot from R&B, soul and funk, but it also pulled from rock. And it is, again, in a form that hadn't existed before. And it's now 50 years old. And to me, it's number eight. And it's the last actual mega genre that has been created, period. So it's been 50 years in, in a similar way that it's been over 50 years since we added a state to the union. This is the longest, I think, in history we've ever gone without adding a state to the union. That's what's happened to me uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned with mega genres, with these eight genres. So this eight, it's a sideways eight. Why do I say that? Well, because if you know anything about music, you know there are many more genres than these eight genres. You might call them subgenres. You might call them separate genres on their own. That's up to you. But to me, I believe that if you named, and I wish this was live, because you could name one single, any subgenre, any other genre even, and I could put it into one of those eight categories. Perfect examples. Uh, You know, country music, that's folk to me, you know, or blues, also folk. It could also be put into R&B. Pop is not on that my list. And that was a killer for me because, you know, I love pop music. But here's the thing, pop. Pop music is everything, which means it's also nothing. It doesn't have a very distinct identity of its own other than it is popular. And it is the most amalgamated music in history because the whole point of pop 
is to create accessible songs that can pull from anywhere. Country pop, rock pop, jazz pop, all of it, all of it. And, and often mixed together, electronic pop, experimental pop, all of it. So as far as mega genres, it's not a, it's not a new thing. It's actually pulling all together. So it really probably is the most inclusive music in the history of civilization. But it's not one of the eight. And there are a lot that aren't, aren't one of the eight. And the reason why I said sideways, well, here's a perfect example. Online, I found a list, A to Z genres. It was, it's on Wikipedia, fine, lots of pages. I compiled it, put it all together in one file, saved that file. I counted them up or had them numbered. Exactly 1,400. 1,400 genres listed, genres, subgenres, whatever you want to call them. 1,400 types of music. And then I went in there and I looked for the genre that I, as I define my band Wreck. See back there in the wall, for those of you who are only listening, I have got this diorama of many and most of Wreck, my releases, but primarily Wreck. And I've defined Wreck for many years as electro power pop. Guess what? Not on the list. So is it 1401? If you're a musician out there, but you describe your music differently. So is it 1,402? There is no answer. The reason why the eight is sideways, well, there's two reasons. One, sideways means it's a little off. It's a little slippery. It's, it's a drunk eight. It's, it's you know, you can, you can say it's eight, and I say it's eight, and I'm going to stand by it, and I want you to argue with me on that. But is it really eight is what I'm saying. But the second reason why, because when you turn an eight, uh, I can't really do this with my fingers sideways. There you go. What do you get? You get infinity. So it's kind of a joke. And the joke there is that that's the exact number of genres there are. There are as many genres as there are musicians in the world. There are as many genres as there are people in the world. There are as many genres as there are potential new kinds of music or new songs in the world from now throughout the existence of humans into the future. And that's my answer. Is it an eight? Is it a sideways eight? Is it that 1,400 plus the things that we're missing? It's the point that music is not a genre. As soon as you start to try to define a genre, it sound, then it sounds a little bit like something else. Then that genre sounds a little bit like a different genre. On and on and on until they're all connected. Like the t-shirt says, MXG, music is not a genre. Now, I don't usually do this in a pod fast because it's supposed to be fast, but I could not resist because... I titled this Sideways 8 and blah, blah, subtitle. There's a song that Rec released on this album right here. Sunshine Seminar. Boom. Uh, yeah, without the reflection. It's called Any Universe, which is a perfect name for this, actually, in terms of me saying universally, this is how many genres there are, is all of the music universe and all of that stuff. There's a line in there about someone loving someone I don't remember I could try you know try to remember and probably uh it keeps expanding sideways eight my tendency to witness everything through you and it and sideways eight expanding sideways eight to me just meant it expands and through infinity there is no limit to, to whatever idea that I was trying to present there so as a bonus I'm going to throw that song in here at the end of this pod fast enjoy it in a couple of seconds thank you and thanks to the PodFast logo, the name, the word, for taking as much abuse as it gives. You know, that was a hard punch. Uh, no hard feelings. I'm sure it'll be back in some form. 
in the next podfest. See you then. Cathedral of words, your whisper warm and 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.